It's time. It's time. Passcode accepted. Now loading the Down South IT Podcast. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you with me. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark. This is the season 11 premiere. That's right. We are rocking and rolling with the new season. Love it, love it, love it. Glad to have you with me here on this little journey we're going on. But before I get to the topic for the day, I do want to kind of take care of a couple of house cleaning things. First up, if you head over to the website, downsouthitpodcast.com, hopefully you know that website well by now, you'll see some things have changed a little bit, at least toward the top. I've streamlined a good bit of the website, so it's a little bit easier to kind of navigate stuff around, at least in the, the, the top part and on the mobile site, it's a lot easier to get around now, figure out what's going on. I did kind of take all the weird icons and stuff at the top of where you can find the podcast uh, and gave it its own dedicated page. So if you go to downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash listen, all the links are right there. Everything is right there for you. You can just click on whatever service you like. It'll take you there and you can go ahead and listen at your leisure. Again, while you were there, no matter what platform you use, like and follow the podcast. It helps me out a lot appreciate you doing that. It definitely helps going forward. Now, if you did happen to listen via Stitcher, which I know a few of you did, you probably got the email before I did that apparently Stitcher is shutting down at the end of this month. But in a fit of genius, apparently the company that bought them is actually Sirius XM slash Pandora since they are the ones that are going to be doing a lot of the podcasting and they're trying to pick up podcasting to somewhat rival iHeartRadio, which the podcast is also on if you wanted to go that route. So you'll be able to catch the podcast on Pandora as well. It won't be on SiriusXM. They just happen to have their name on it, but that's neither here nor there. You can get the podcast on Pandora now. So if you use pod, uh, Pandora or if you go through Podcast Connect, everything will be right there for you. You can find it and search for it. The link is there on the listen page. So again, downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash listen. You can check that out. Go straight to that right there if you happen to use Pandora for your podcasts. Again, like and follow me there if you don't mind. Now that that's out of the way, I want to give you a little offer and do you a solid. How would you like five bucks back on something that you're going to get anyway? If you use the Upside app, if you've never heard of it, it's an app that you use on your phone. You can get money back for your groceries, mostly gas, some restaurants, different things like that. It depends on what's available in your area. You can use that, claim a discount and get the discount added to your account right there with upside. And then once you accrue enough or however much you want, I think it's 
five dollars is the minimum limit i believe but if after you get a few bucks in there you can cash out however you like there's about 20 different gift cards that you can cash out to and get get an e-gift card back you can dump it into a paypal account you can dump your money even right back into your own account Right now, if you sign up and if you don't mind, you can go to downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash upside. You can use that link right there. I have links for both of those on the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. So if you want to go check those out and put that in, sign up. You get five bucks on your first transaction after you uh, after you do your first uh, transaction on there, whether it be gas, whether it be groceries whether it be a restaurant you get five bucks back but you have to sign up today and you get that and then if you sign up guess what it helps me out too because i get five bucks but if you happen to sign somebody else up you both get five dollars again so it's it helps to not only install the app and use it but it also helps to sign up a friend too if you already have the app but you don't aren't using anybody's code in particular and you want to help me out you can use my code for get upside it's 5w96s if you use the link on the website downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash upside that will automatically put my referral code in there for you you won't have to do anything but if you happen to just want to go ahead and just download it now just to kind of look at it before you decide to do anything if you go ahead and put that referral code in there for me, 5W96S, that'll basically let both of us get five bucks. And hey, we all profit. It always helps. This thing, using this app, you do actually get money back. I do drive a lot for work. So, you know, I my numbers are a little bit inflated than most, but on average, you could if you use it all the time and you catch some good deals they do have a lot of good deals out there right now but if you catch a a few good deals you could make around 200 bucks a year just for free money that you're going to be getting back for money you're spending anyway so why not get some of that back we both get something out of it and it helps me out a lot so go ahead and hit that up for me if you don't mind and i'm going to tell you a little secret about that app that nobody else is going to tell you because they don't want you finding this out. If you use it, and you use it mainly for gas, like I do, here's how you get your max payouts. Once you claim an offer, you have four hours. So basically, you're on the clock to go ahead and and pay for something within that four-hour time frame. What you want to do is you want to avoid fairly early in the morning, around morning rush hour, around lunch, and around dinner rush hour. If you go between those times, like in in my case, I do around 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. Central Time, or around 2.30 to 3 o'clock Central Time. I look for those, you get your max, that's where they put all of the offers as being basically the highest for that time period. If you go during rush hour, usually those offers are gonna be a lot lower, So you use the off times. Claim the offers whenever it's not very busy somewhere. So the offers go up. You still have four hours to get there and do what you have to do. So if you claim it 
around 9.30 in the morning, 10 o'clock, and you happen to go get gas or something while you're on lunch break, it's within usually a couple hours. So you're still within the window, but you get the higher cash back. I promise you this app works. I've made, if I look at my app right now on my phone, it is, it's been a hot minute since I looked, but keep in mind, I have been using this app for about three and a half years and my total right now is $810. But again, I'm not a typical user. I drive a lot for work. So you can't expect that for three and a half years. You might, it depends on how much you drive or, you know, how much you use it at a grocery store kind of depends, but I'm telling you, this thing is good. It'll save you a little bit of money. And if nothing else, you got a little spending money on something you're going to be buying anyway. So check out the website, downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash upside. You can use the links there. Or just if you download it, use the referral code 5W96S. Thank you. Okay, so now that you got the scoop and housekeeping is done, today I wanted to run through external storage because this has kind of been an ongoing problem for me because I have so much stuff. And I'm sure if y'all have listened to the podcast for any length of time, you know, I am not exactly a light user of a computer. I have a lot of computer equipment and stuff is data is everywhere all over, you know, where in my network. So I have stuff strewn all over the place, different things, different, have different purposes. Some stuff is network. Some is not. It just kind of depends on the situation. And it kind of depends on my growing need at the moment, whenever I decided that I needed it. So that's how things kind of come across. At some point, I do need to go kind of network wide and consolidate a lot of stuff. But for external storage, basically the definition I'm going with is anything or any storage or storage device that is different from where either Windows or Mac OS or Linux or whatever you happen to be running is running. There's a multitude of reasons why you would need more storage. If you play a lot of games, you want to keep all of them on your computer rather than having to sit there and re-download your favorites. If you want to play it again, you can just keep it on a separate disc. If you have a lot of music, if you have a lot of movies, if you, you know, you do a lot of spreadsheets or access databases or something like that, there's always room for more storage. Always. Now, there's a lot of different options when it comes to external storage, at least under the definition that I'm talking and we'll kind of run through those real quick. First up is either another hard drive or another SSD. So hard drives and solid state drives right now, even M.2s, the newest generation of storage, is they're all really coming down in price. Hard disk drives, your regular spinning hard drives with the platters, the old three and a half inch drives, those are getting to be fairly cheap for you know a two terabyte or even a one terabyte or even higher most of those are coming up with new and inventive ways of getting a lot more storage onto a single disc there's enterprise drives now with spinning discs like that that get upwards of 22 terabytes and yes i said terabytes 22 terabytes which is 
if my calculator is correct, 22,528 gigabytes on one disk. That's a lot of storage on a single disk. Now, could you get one of those and just put those in your computer randomly? Yeah, sure. Nothing wrong with that. You can do that if you really want to. Only problem with doing something like that, with having a disk that big, it's going to be very expensive <laughs> for one. And a lot of times, if you have that much data, you don't want to put it just in one place. And if that drive fails, everything you have on it usually is gone also. And you don't want to do that. So what do you do in that case? Well, 22 terabytes is basically going to be overkill for just about anything and everything that most people would pro probably use unless you do a lot of video editing or a lot of photo editing and use, you know, like 8K, you know, cameras and stuff like that. That stuff takes up a lot of room really fast. So something along that line would probably work for you. Um, in cases like that, I would actually probably have that set up to where it was in a RAID array, but it is what it is. You could technically, if you really wanted to, put something that big in your computer and it work. Most people would probably be, be fine with either a two terabyte or a four terabyte, either drive or SSD. Both of those are going to be roughly about the same cost. Uh, for something along that line, you're looking around about 80 to to $100, depending on what's on sale that week, whether you get the SSD version or the hard drive version, the actual spinning disk. Either one will be about the same price. They're, they're pretty competitive now. Now, if you go opt for the M.2, which is a little easier to install because you don't need any wires or power or anything, those are going to be a little bit on the pricier side. For something four terabyte, you're looking probably closer to $200, but it's ease of use and ease of install, depending on your setup. And if you can actually have an M.2 drive, because <laughs> most, some motherboards just don't have that. But if you have the option, that is a very easy one to install. And once you install something like that, it's basically just a quick format and then you can start using it no matter which drive you happen to be using. It, it, whether it's the hard drive, the SSD, or the M.2, it really doesn't matter. As soon as you format it, you have basically the entire disk at your disposal and can do whatever you want to with it. Next option for external storage is a thumb drive. Most of us have been using these things for years. Sometimes you even get them in the mail because why not? And, you know, they use them for advertising, different things like that. These are going to be a lot less space required if you uh, want to go that route. They don't have as quite as much storage on them. A lot of the thumb drives are going to be basically attached to a USB drive. So you just plug it into a USB port and it picks it up and you can use it as a regular drive. But like I said, we've been using these things forever. They'll go anywhere from four gigabytes now all the way up to I've seen 256. I haven't seen one too much higher than that, at least at a decent price. Anyway, you can get four or eight gig ones just for, you know, projects and different things like that, just to tote around for less than 10 bucks nowadays. So those are fairly cheap, but again, they don't offer a whole lot of storage.
So there's definitely a trade-off there between storage capacity and portability. Those are more for portable and not necessarily for capacity. Your next option is going to be a portable USB drive. Usually these are the ones that you see the Western Digital Passport has one. They have a MyBook, which is a bigger version of that, but it's almost like a case and it has a USB cable on it and you plug it in that way. These are just about as portable as the thumb drives, but they're a little bit bigger and they have a lot bigger capacity. Most of these start off at one terabyte. They'll go all the way up to, I've seen eight and 12 terabyte versions. Some of the my books are very, very big as far as capacity. I've seen those go up to upwards of 20. And I actually have a few of those on my network right now as it stands just for random storage and backups and different things like that. So I do have those. Uh, the bigger version, I actually have one as a backup to my NAS drive, which I really need to do <laughs> plug that thing up and sync both of those just so I have a backup of my backup. Uh, but that's neither here nor there either. But those are, like I said, those are going to be for a lot more capacity. Like say you're going probably if you in a corporate environment, I would say that's probably going to be like most of your take home stuff and you don't have anything cloud based. So everything's backed up on that. Or if you have a movie database or something like that, and you happen to want to just take it to somebody's house to go watch movies, you know, that's probably the easiest and most normal thing I could think of to do something with a, one of the large, you know, capacity USB uh, portable drives like that. Again, all of these are going to be based, based on your situation, what you need, how much capacity you need, and whether or not you actually want to open your case and install it, if you have the cables to do so. A lot of drives don't come with an, an actual cable if you wanted to install them internal on your computer. So, you know, it kind of depends on what you, <laughs> what you want to do with it, how you want to install it, and it goes from there. But there are a lot of options, including the last option that I have, which is a NAS. NAS is, stands for Network Attached Storage, and it's basically what it is. It's a storage device that attaches to your network so you can get to it from any point in your network. The thing with NAS is it can either be technically one drive or it can be multiple drives. If you're talking corporate or, you know, or enterprise, they'll have NAS units with upwards of 20 drives in them. They do have consumer NAS uh, boxes when probably the biggest name in those is going to be Synology and their boxes range from anywhere from 200 to $400 just for the box. And you can have either two, four or eight discs in each one. So the discs are separate. So you will have to get uh, separate hard drives for those. Uh, you could use SSDs in those if you really wanted to. I think they do. Most of them come with ca uh, carriers, so you can mount the SSDs on there if you really wanted to. But the advantage to having multiple disks on a NAS like that is you can set it up for RAID. Now, RAID stands for Redundant Array of Inexpensive Disks, and that's basically exactly what it is. It's multiple disks that you use as a single drive. 
and there's different forms of RAID there, but the top three that most people use is either going to be RAID zero, which is all the, say you have four discs, all four discs are just one big disc. So that would be RAID zero. They call it JBOT or just a big old disc <laughs> is what they call that. And is that's to get the most maximum capacity that you possibly can out of the hard drives that you're using. So you can do that as well. Or if you only have two or only want to put two hard drives in there, you can do what they call RAID 1, which is, which is mirroring. So whatever gets written to one drive gets written to the other drive at the exact same time. So if one of them fails, you're not losing anything. Nothing slows down. Nothing stops. You have two exact identical disks that, you know, can take over for each other. Now, there's a lot of advantages to that being that you, the main one being you won't lose any data because you have two disks with the exact same data on it. So nothing you not unless both of them happen to fail at the exact same time, you won't have any problems. Downside to doing a raid one like that is getting stuff off and getting stuff onto it usually takes a tad bit longer than it normally would because it has to either read from both disks or write to both disks. So it, that does add a little bit of lag to, you know, doing what you're doing. But if you have the capacity, then it's not a big deal. In this use case, the last raid that you would probably want to use would be a raid five. And this is basically an array. So what it is in this case, you have to have at least four disks and it takes a chunk of each of those four discs and cuts it out and uses it for what they call parity. Parity is not able to be used randomly and normally like you would on, you know, if you happen to put a bunch of pictures or something on there, all of that data for parity is to rebuild a drive if it fails. So if you have four drives, one of those drives fails, you just simply replace the drive and using that parity data within the other three, it'll rebuild the blank drive. So everything syncs up and you don't actually lose anything. Now, if you're trying to access that while it's trying to rebuild, it will obviously be slower because, you know, it's trying to do something, but you won't lose data unless you absolutely lose two drives off of that. Then you're going to have some issues. But for the most part, you can lose a drive and you won't have any problems because after you rebuild, you're right back where you started. And this is actually how I have my NAS set up with all of my movies on it. So if it happens to lose a drive, I just have to throw it in there and then I don't lose any of my movies. So that's exactly how I have mine set up. I don't have a Synology box, but I have a cheaper Amazon version of it. And it's a little bit different because you know, Synology, they have software that accompanies their box to where you can control some stuff and tweak some things. Mine is basically all hardware on the box and it does everything through hardware rather than software. So mine's a little bit different, but it was a little bit cheaper as well, too. So I think this box was $130 when I bought it, something like that a few years ago. I'll link mine in the show prep if you want to go on Amazon and go check it out. So what are some of the advantages of using external storage for whatever you need it for? 
First up is going to be portability. If you're talking thumb drives or even some of the external uh, hard drive cases, the My Passport, the Mini Passport, all of those things, those are a lot more portable than, say, if you bring an as unit or something like that, you know, or you can't uninstall your hard drive from your computer and bring it with you. And technically, you can, but it's not feasible. So portability might be something that you really want to do. If you're just editing stuff and then you're going to bring it back and forth to work, depending on if your work lets you do that type of thing, you can do it. And it's fairly easy to get around and to move it around. So portability is very very much an advantage to doing something like this next thing is even more capacity you might just want to do it the easiest possible way you can do it if you happen to have a small computer or a thinning light or something like that and you need some more capacity for games or whatever it is that you need you might want to just take one of the small thumb drives you know that that are 500 gig or whatever it happens to be and just throw it in one of the usb ports you're not using there you go you got a whole nother drive with a whole lot more space on it than your computer has now especially if some of the tablets and thinning lights now only come with 64 gigs to start off with so you throw 500 on on uh on top of that you've basically tripled your space you know i mean it's it's insane so Something like that is a quick and easy thing. Or if you just want to do, again, the Passport version of the hard drives, the little portable ones, you can do that too. Just so you're not ha- you don't have to take it anywhere if you don't want to, but you have the option to do that. Another good thing about using external storage, if you use the external storage for a lot of your photos or videos or what have you, if something happens on your OS drive where Windows is and something gets corrupted, your data is not going to get corrupted. You might have to reinstall Windows and do all of that, but you won't have to reinst- you won't have to worry about oh, I lost all my pictures. I lost all my videos. You know, I lost the everything that I synced up to with my phone. Everything but if it's on the external drive or a separate hard drive from what your OS is, you won't have that problem. If you have to, you can replace the Windows drive reinstall windows or or mac os and boom you're done your data is going to be there it'll show up whenever you reinstall windows very easy to do very convenient to have especially if you're kind of if you're on an older computer and it might be on its last leg anyway it's a lot quicker and easier to shell out 100 bucks than it is four or 500 for a new laptop or a new computer so that's going the easy route you could do that if you really wanted to so hey to each his own if that's what you want to do go for it next thing is easier backups this is mainly what i use the external hard drives i have for is for com- backups for all of my computers i basically have everything networked to where all of my computers are can see this one particular drive and every one of them goes through a backup process and all the backups go to that one disk so I'm not losing anything, but granted, I probably should be doing backups to my NAS, but I'd rather have movies on that than backups. So that's my choice. So if it turns out to be wrong or something craps out with that drive, as long as it doesn't happen at the same time that one of the computers fails, I'm perfectly fine with that. 
Next up is your computer doesn't get slow over time. And this happens a lot, especially in older computers. You'll notice that the drive gets a lot more full and the fuller it gets, the slower your computer gets because it has to sift through all of that stuff to be able to find what you want. So the more stuff that's on there, the more likely it is that it's going to be slower. Now, usually, at least in a lot of the higher end computers and gaming computers and stuff like that, that I've seen and that I've built, usually the, you only, you don't want a very big drive for windows or Mac OS. You want just basically a, a fairly small drive, something like 250 gig, something enough to where you could put stuff on there if you really want to, but it's not really your main drive. So that way, if something craps out, like your OS, you can just replace that one drive. You're not losing anything and you go from there. But the good thing with doing it that way is it doesn't get bogged down with all of the data. Now, depending on what type of hard drive you're using, if you're using the SSD, it's going to be a lot faster than a hard drive. But if you're using the M.2, it's going to be a lot faster than both of those. So just kind of depends on what you're using as to how fast it actually is going to be. But your operating system won't get bogged down because that hard drive really won't be seeing a whole lot of use, especially if most of the data that you're going to be dealing with is going to be on a separate drive. The last advantage I got is efficient backups. And again, I just kind of explained that already that I really should be doing that with putting everything on my NAS. So I really don't lose it, even if I lose a drive, but we kind of went through raid already too. So Again, you could do efficient backups that way if you really wanted to over the network or to a specific hard drive like what I'm doing. It just kind of depends on how you want to set up your system or your network. Mine's a little bit more janky than it probably needs to be, <laughs> to be fair. But it's it works for me. So, you know, to each his own again. So what are some bad sides to external storage? One is it's a lot more drives to keep track of. So, you know, if something happens, you might save something in the wrong place. You might misplace a photo. It might copy to the wrong folder or something like that. So having multiple drives, you do have to be a little bit more deliberate in what you save and when you save stuff and when you copy and paste stuff and everything like that. So you have to be a lot more deliberate because you have multiple drives. Sometimes if you're moving stuff around, you need multiple windows, you know, so it some of that stuff can be a little bit daunting if you're moving stuff around or if you've misplaced something, you're trying to find it and you got to sit there and go look for it. And in every single folder on every single drive, it sucks. Or use the search function if you can't remember what it was, but it is what it is. And that's kind of a reality of having multiple drives. Again, some drives are going to be slower than others. So you are going to have a little bit of lag whenever you read or write to a drive, depending on what it is. Hard drives are going to be probably your slowest ones. Your M.2 drives are going to be the fastest ones, just simply because they're just the fastest out there that we can get our hands on at this point. So, you know, SSDs are going to be in the middle a little bit, but those, again, are going to be... Hmm, you're still going to see a little bit of lag on SSDs, but it's not going to be near what it was. And most people won't use it to, to where it will actually lag. So you should be fine if you do that. 
Next, setup can be tedious. If you're trying to set some of this stuff up and you want that OneDrive to be visible to other computers on your network, like if you have it on your desktop or something and you want to be able to get to that data from your laptop, mapping drives in Windows is a little bit on the tedious side. It's fairly tedious in macOS also, so can't really go that route. Linux is a little bit easier, not very much, but a little bit. So it just kind of depends, but setting some of that stuff up to, to do it is a little bit tedious. If it's not really for a novice, but I mean, you, there are videos and stuff and tutorials out there to help you if you really wanted to do something along that line. Malware can still infect the drives if you set it up that way. Now, just because it's an external drive, even if it is external to the computer, it is plugged into the computer and malware can still infect that drive. So malware or viruses or ransomware or whatever it happens to be can still get a hold of those drives unless they're hardened and most people don't have that or if they're already encrypted. So if unless you're using BitLocker or something along that line, then you do still run the risk of viruses or malware or ransomware or something like that if it happens to you that does take over all the drives on the computer if it's connected so you know having an external drive really won't help very very much the only thing outside of that that would help something like that is if you had like a cloud backup that you can revert back to but most people you know unless you're crazy like me you won't have something like that actually to be honest i really don't even have that but they do have a lot of services out there like Backblaze and iDrive and a few others that you could do that for a subscription fee. So if you really wanted cloud backup, you could technically reverse something like that happening and go uh, go that route. But again, you're going to be paying a subscription for that. The drive itself locally is just going to be a drive. So it's a little bit cheaper that way to do it just the drive. Next up is going to be more power requirements. So usually if you have something along the lines of just a thumb drive or a USB one, you won't really have any problems with this as far as power goes because they don't really pull a whole lot of power or anything. But if you do go the NAS route or if you do the full hard drive spinning disk route and install it in your computer, finding some of the cables could be a little bit of a hassle. Especially when you buy a hard drive, you get just the drive. They don't send you any cables or anything like that. So unless you have a third-party motherboard, you're going to end up having to get another cable for that. And you got to make sure you actually have power for that also coming from the your power supply on your computer. So that's a little bit tedious if you don't know what you already have and you, you got to go sit there and try to find it. If you have a NAS, it will take more power uh power plugs or or a power strip or any, something like that if you don't already have it hooked up that way so you know just kind of be prepared for that also most of this kind of stuff is all based on your situation depending on what you need and what you want to do is to the route that you probably should go you know if you're not doing a whole lot of stuff and you just want a little bit of capacity you know, one of those my digital my passport drives will probably serve you well. They last a long time. They rarely fail. In fact, I don't think I've ever actually had one fail. No, I haven't. Ha I've never had actually had one of those fail. 
even it using it year after year after year, I still really haven't had it fail because a lot of times if you're not using it, it shuts down. So it's not spinning and being used all the time, 24 seven. So it only wakes up whenever you're using it or your computer's on. So that would be a really good option pretty much for just about anybody and everybody. Thumb drives again, or even an, uh, a micro SD card for say like a Surface Book or a tablet or something like that. If you have expandable storage on something that thin, you know, a USB thumb drive could give you some extra capacity if you really want to. An SD card can give you some extra capacity if you want to. In fact, I ran a, a 256 gig SD card in my, my Microsoft Surface tablet for years as a spare drive. And all of, all of my data went on that. So, because the one I bought only had 64 to start off. Again, like a lot of thinning lights. So, that one, it, I, I used it as my main drive. You know, I used it all, all for an SD card. And it was perfectly fine. Never had any problems. Now, if you're really serious, I have a lot of data. Or if you do a whole lot of editing with video and photos and different things like that, that's when you kind of want to look into either Synology or a different type of NAS unit. Buffalo makes some, QNAP makes some, and, you know, kind of go that route just so you have the security of having some type of raid on that data so you don't lose it. Something like that, that especially if it has to do with your work or your livelihood, you know, if you're in business for yourself, whatever, if it's critical data you want to have backups or you want to be protected in case something like a disk fails so you want to make sure you have something like that now granted that setting that up and getting that going is a little bit more tedious it is more expensive especially with you know the the nas boxes and stuff like that the box itself could be anywhere from 150 to 400 bucks then you're going to be spending at least that on your drives so you can pretty much guarantee you're going to be spending, you know, upwards of five to $600 at least to get something like that set up. So the initial investment is very much there, but if it's data, that's a critical need, you almost want to spend the money now. So you don't lose anything in the future. That would be a very good investment seeing as how your data is protected from loss. Thank you all for sticking with me for this episode. I know it ran a little bit long, but it, you know me, I like to talk sometimes. So you get a little bit of extra podcast. So yay. Don't forget to hit up the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. You can find just about anything and everything about the podcast there. Forward slash listen on that page. If you want to go to check out any of the places that you can find the podcast, including Pandora now. So you can do hit that up and don't forget to try the upside app downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash upside for the links to your preferred store depending on which one you're using or just use the referral code 5w96s and you'll be able to help me out and the podcast out at the same time so i'll go ahead and end it here just like i always do paraphrase from albert hubbard technology can replace the work of many people but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person so go out and be extraordinary today Thank you all for listening. This has been the premiere for season 11. We, I got some good stuff coming up for you throughout the rest of the season. Hope to see you here with me. I love you. I'll catch you on the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later.